how's the atmosphere in Utah after that AP story dropped? Oh, my God. The atmosphere is crickets. It's mostly crickets. Kind of like what it sounds like when a Mormon bishop reports a seven-year-old rape victim to the hotline. No, that sounds like whatever sound an alternate dimension makes, because in this dimension that we yeah, find ourselves in, that doesn't actually even happen. They don't report shit. I mean, it's basically, what should I do? Don't do anything. Okay. When a girl goes and reports uh, rape, it's crickets. You know. When a man tells the bishop that he's raping his child, it's crickets. For seven fucking years and two bishops. And then covers it up. Yep. But it's not anything new. That's the real kickers. People that are in the know, generally Exmos and Nevermos, they're like, this is nothing new. Like, we knew about this hotline for years and years and years. They've been talking about this hotline ever since it started. The fact that people know the name of the law firm. Curtin McConkie. Okay. It used to have three names, but the third... The third partner bailed? No, he got caught uh, with prostitute. <laughs> uh, just as long as she was an adult. Oh, well, there's that. Yes. I mean, yeah, that would be okay. Hey. He was a high-placed Mormon. His name was removed from the name of the law firm, but he still kept his partner status and everything like that. It's not going to change until the lawsuits get so expensive that they do something. Yeah, because sure they have more money than God right now. That ain't happening anytime in the near future. $250 million. Isn't that what they're being sued for right now for the case in Arizona? I don't know. Not even an entire drop in a bucket. It'll settle out of court for a lot less than that. So, I mean, I'm anxious to see what happens. I'm really glad it's getting the attention it is. I would be supporting any law firm that is out there suing the Mormon uh. church. Hell, I'd do it if I knew how, <laughs> you know, what the rules are on that. That's not my area of law. Do you guys know who wrote that article? Michael Resendez. Michael Resendez was part of the research team when this same thing came out about the Catholic Church. Okay. He is a Pulitzer-winning reporter, legit, and knows what he's talking about. So, which is why when the church came out the next day with, well, this was incomplete and it mischaracterized us, stuff like that, they have no credence. No. And then they proceeded to not offer anything to refute or anything to say, no, this is what's really happening. They didn't say, no, it doesn't go to Curtin McConkie because that'd be a bald-faced lie. They didn't say, oh, no, the bishops aren't advised not to report to law enforcement yeah. or straight up lie to and told that their state law forbids them from reporting a sex abuse case. Because like in Arizona, they are actually protected if clergy reports sexual abuse to law enforcement. There are some exceptions to mandatory reporting status sometimes depending on state law. Yes. For instance, you can't compel a husband to testify against his wife. Right. Because they have a privilege, and it's called the spousal privilege. Oh, so privileged. It is. like, And so <laughs> I, I have a privilege. Like, I have an attorney-client privilege with my clients. Like, nobody can make me testify against my client, even if I know that my client murdered somebody. Even if I have evidence. Like, I cannot testify against my client. Well, physical evidence is a different story. Like, you can't hide a gun. But oh. you can't testify about where you got the gun if your client gave you the gun. So there's carve-outs for everything, isn't so there? So there's carve-outs for privilege. One of those carve-outs is like a privilege between, it's called the uh, penitent pastor, or sometimes it goes by clergy pastor or clergy penitent privilege. And it means if I go into a Catholic church and I put myself into one of their boxes and tell all my secrets... <laughs> 
Don't put yourself into a Catholic box, Gigi. That's not good. Right? No. Mm. And if I whisper my secrets to the Catholic priest, he can't be compelled to testify that I said to him, God, forgive me. I murdered my husband. It was really arsenic. It wasn't an accident. <laughs> like, he can't be compelled. In a court of law. The Spirit of God could. To testify that I said that. But here's the thing. Nothing stops that preacher from going voluntarily. Okay. In Mm -hmm. other words, you you can't make me testify against my husband because I have a privilege. But I can testify against him if I wanted. Yeah, because if he's a fuckhead and... (laughs) Right. Decide, you know what? I'm going to waive that privilege. I'm not going to honor that. I'm actually going to go to the police and decide on my own that this is important enough to report. I am not going to let this stand. Even though they came to confess to me in private, they can always go and tell right they just can't be forced to testify if they don't want to right well in arizona like from what i was reading the clergy they are actually even protected they cannot be countersued or counter whatever by the person that they are testifying against yeah sometimes they have rules that say like the bishop didn't commit the crime he's just listening to a confession there are protections that if he doesn't report it he's kind of protected because he didn't do anything wrong technically any ethical person would have reported it but the church corrupts the ethics of decent people by you know doing this shit right well they co-opt them because the church is saying well we are the sole arbiter of morality and good and evil and you need to do what we say. I mean, trying to give them a little bit of grace and understanding these bishops, they're calling. And I highly doubt the people that do call the hotline are at all aware that it's run by lawyers. Yeah. Or that it doesn't go to the police eventually. As far as they know. Like that it does not go up the chain of command, that it kind of just dies there. Right. Yeah. And it's not like they give any of their preachers any kind of good training about how to be a counselors to humans. I mean, it's like, oh, you're a successful plumber in the the neighborhood you could be the bishop yeah, that's good <laughs> what i don't understand is that what is their motivation behind this they're gonna try to keep this as quiet as they can so that their own people don't start bleeding more <laughs> they're already losing people in trouble well no i'm i'm thinking about back in 1995 when hinkley set this thing up like what was their thought process oh protection yeah protection for the church cover your ass see C-Y-A. Right. Cover your ass. Yeah. They didn't know the internet was going to get invented. They didn't know people were going to be able to talk to each other about these things. But, like, okay, do you know which department in the church oversees the hotline? It's the risk management. Oh, the risk management. It's risk management. Wow, they have a risk management department? It's a goddamn corporation. Of course they have. Of course it does. Of course it does. Yeah. Because Jesus is risky business, yeah? Uh, Apparently. But not like Tom Cruise. Not like Tom Cruise. Or maybe just like Tom Cruise. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're both, it's all, we're talking cults now. It's either Scientology cult. Or Jehovah Witness cult. (laughs) Oh, dear. Yeah. I mean, they're all bad. Yes. Uh Oh, patience. I love it when you drink out of that freaking goddamn quart-sized measuring cup. This is not a utensil. (laughs) That's not even water. What the fuck is that? I love your I don't give a shit attitude (laughs) of like, is it? please tell me that it's like oatmeal mixed with coffee mixed with something else weird. Oh, God. I just ate. Stop that. That's gross. Today, it's actually just black coffee with some saccharin in it. 
It's really just a coffee. Okay. Oh, my God. But, yeah, so this article has been making the rounds on Facebook. I've been seeing it with some of my Mormon friends and family. Oh, really? They're actually acknowledging it? Not all of them. Only some of the people that are a bit more... Nuanced? Maybe that's it. I don't know. So I know that people are seeing it, but I don't know what kind of impact it's having. But all I want to say is, like, this has been going on for a long time. I can tell you from personal experience. Mm -hmm. I know what they do. I have had it happen to me. And it is horrible. The bishops do not do anything. They are trained to dismiss it. Well, they do something. They cover the church's ass. They make a report after you leave their office Mm -hmm. and they send it up to Utah. Mm -hmm. And you, as the victim, do not even know it's in that report. And it's there forever. And who knows what they do or who finds out or how many people in the church. It's very disturbing with the way that they handle it. There's no guarantee that when you go and tell your bishop that you've been raped, that they will keep that confidential. There is no guarantee that they won't turn around and have you excommunicated. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know this from personal experience. They will just as equally tell you that you are the reason you were raped. Uh, what? You were dressed provocatively. Yes. You weren't praying hard enough and keeping yourself away from sin. Even when the situation is one that if you were to go to the penal codes of California, it is textbook rape should be reported. There is no guarantee. And they've had class action suits taken against the Mormon church before. And I, I don't know what's happened with those. And I think that there's some that I, are still ongoing. I don't know all the details, but... The attorneys will figure out a way. There's a shit ton of money just sitting there. Right. Gold bullion. Just There's a giant <laughs> temple in Utah just sitting on top of a giant pile of gold. And all you have to do is tell the attorneys that it's like freaking the gold rush now. Uh-huh. They'll start advertising just like they did with the Catholic Church if you've been a victim. Right. Just like they did with the Boy Scouts of America. And they'll start getting enough and the publicity will be bad enough to where the church will start settling things because they'd rather not go to trial. And maybe there will be some cases that go to trial. But mm-hmm. I doubt it. I think everything will get settled. Mm-hmm. But if they settle everything, all of their billions are going to get shelled out to the victims. No. No. They have too much money. Yeah. What if the class action was so massive? Look at what happened to the Catholic Church. They sold a few properties. Yeah, they're still going and just they fine. they paid everybody off. Yeah. They're going to be fine. That's the other thing is that once the lawyers that are willing to pony up to try and get a payday get paid, once the media moves on to the next, you know, school shooting or whatever the fuck's going on here in the U.S., interest will just dry up and the Mormon church will just keep doing the same shit they're doing. They're not going to change anything. And here's the good thing about litigation and settlements and things like that. A lot of times, if it's a good enough case, the attorney can negotiate as part of the settlement that they change their practices. Right. I mean, what would that do, though? I mean, the the abuse is still going to go on because churches are just rife with it. They teach people to have all kinds of weird hangups about their body, such ultimate deference to certain people in power. I mean, it's just a recipe for problems when it comes to sex and power and children. Mm -hmm. So they can change some of their methods and practices, and, and that can be built into some of the settlements. The laws can change to allow, you know, for different mandatory reporting and things. There is potential. But nothing changes unless there's money to be made in changing it. Unfortunately, that's the good and the bad about attorneys. You know, it's like there's no other way to get things changed sometimes. 
The problem is right now is this case is in Arizona, which is essentially the crotch of Utah. The crotch of Utah. Mormons all over the place. Yeah, I've got so much family in Arizona that's Mormon. Mm -hmm. Lots of family in the crotch of Utah. Yeah. There are lots of Mormons that are in government in Arizona. And so the only way that this is really going to happen is if it gets out of these places where the church has a hold of the government. In Utah, it's essentially a theocracy. Basically, everybody in the state government is a Mormon. In Arizona, the church has a huge influence in Arizona. They may not be every legislator, but there's certainly quite a few of them. And they make payments to the people that they want to be in charge. So it's going to have to go someplace else away from the Morador, the Mormon corridor going up and down from Canada down to Mexico. The Morador. Uh, yeah, that's what yeah. they call the corridor of Mormons. <laughs> there is wickedness there that does not sleep. <laughs> yep, exactly. The Eye of Sauron is right up there on the, on the spire next to the Angel Moroni. There is a very large settlement community of Mormons throughout California, Arizona, Utah, Nevada, just that whole corridor. Right. And all the ones that are out in the sticks, they're the really crazy ones too. Yes. Run in the towns. What were those yahoos that took over the ranger station a few years ago? Ah, uh, nice guys. The Bundys. He was a fucking rancher who was illegally beating his cattle on federal land I and not paying the money. I know what you're talking about, yes. And then they had that armed standoff by his ranch. And then a few years later, yes. his son Ammon, they went up into Washington, him and a group of uh, Buckhead Mormons, <laughs> and they took over a ranger station. And then one of their old people <laughs> got shot. Yeah, what happened with that? Did it eventually get disbanded? Because I think the government basically just didn't really care. It's like, oh, they're camping out on government land. We don't oh, care. Oh, no, they're still going. <laughs> I was like, no, that can't be right. You're thinking of Ted Bundy. And no, it's just a common name. Although, to be fair, Ted Bundy only converted to Mormonism for a few years before he was arrested and caught. What? I didn't know he was a Mormon. Yeah. That's a bad look for the church. Right. <laughs> well, the singles war that he was in actually wrote a letter of defense or a letter of... What? Like... He's a good guy uh, and sent it into the court. Oh they were supporting him while he was on trial for murdering. Uh, so, yeah. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, my God. Mm. I got a question for y'all, though. Since this mm. article, I've seen a lot of posts pop up in the ex-Mormon Reddit saying, oh, I'm leaving. I'm out. This is enough. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I was wondering if maybe there was, like, a lineup outside the office. I haven't heard about it. I see people who I assumed were devout Mormons talking about this wow. mm -hmm. and just the fact that they are even acknowledging it is mm -hmm. huge yeah. because yeah. you would not normally see any mormon say anything or talk about or address any bad publicity they just ignore it and go back into their bubble and nobody ever says anything to them i mean i'm not going to go up to my coworker who's mormon and be like ah what the fuck is up with your church yeah. today <laughs> Nobody's going to be like, hey, did you hear about that AP article about your church raping children? No. Mm -hmm. You go about your life as a Mormon living in your bubble, and you just do not engage with this kind of content. But anybody that reads this article, if they still consider themselves a person of the Mormon faith, there is now information in your brain that you can't unlearn. Period. Yeah. Now, whether or not you do something about that now, or you do something about that later, or you let it fester for a lot longer, 
that seed is there. The reason that the church is so insidious, it hijacks your morality and trains you from the word go to give over your morality and your moral judgment to the organization. They say, oh, wow, this is horrible. But the church said that this was a mischaracterization. So I don't have to think about this anymore. And so it literally is put off to the side. And for some people, off to the side is fine. Yeah. I think for a lot of people it is. Exactly. Jones, it's unfortunately. And that's why group think works and why when humans get together, they can be watching the elephant in the room and just not even see it. They take people that normally would be able to make their own fucking moral judgments just based on being part of the human race, and they say, no, we're going to tell you what's moral and immoral. We're going to tell you what's good and bad, and we're certainly never going to say anything that makes us look bad. And yeah. the people that are part of that say, oh, okay, yeah, there have been times where I'm about to call my mom and say, mom, what the fuck i know why are you still part of the church why are you still doing it this? is so hard not to get angry with the people yeah exactly but then i'm like wait a what good is this gonna mm -hmm. do it's gonna hurt her feelings mm -hmm. mom has been programmed for longer than i've been alive to believe the church right. over anything else right or my baby sister who as far as i know is still a faithful member even though she gets tattoos and multiple piercings <laughs> You know, which is actually apparently okay with the modern church. The thin edge of the wedge. It's a slippery slope. Yeah, I'm hoping. She's on that slippery slide. Yeah, out of I'm not sure. But you're right. They don't believe that it's as bad as they say. And they don't exactly. believe that the church's heart is in the wrong place. They think that there's a few cases that didn't go right. Or right. right. This is so rampant. But when you're in the church and you're listening to the party line, yeah, it's easy to go along and be like, oh, this is a one-off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. When you have a risk management department, just imagine if this was a grocery store that is so shittily run that people are always slipping and falling in front of the ice machine and... And fucking in the freezer. Fucking in the freezer and giving people STDs. I have semen on my frozen peas. Bent over the boxes of frozen yogurt. <laughs> it creates a dangerous, slippery condition. The Mormon church knew or should have known by now that they had a dangerous condition with all of these, you know, priesthood holders. Now, here's the great thing. If you're a risk management company and you have a lot of money in your church and you really don't want to have to pay out in a lot of lawsuits, what do you do in order to prevent lawsuits? You capture that information before it gets to an attorney. You make the victim think that something is going to happen until the statute of limitations runs out. <laughs> you make people think that they don't need to file a police report until witnesses are gone and information has disappeared. Uh -huh. Witnesses don't remember things uh, two, three years later. No, you need this information early. You need to get it documented. If you are a risk management company that really cares about preventing accidents, you get that information, you start implementing change. Like, oh shit, I found a lot of people are dying in front of the ice maker. What's <laughs> going on with that ice maker? Maybe Maybe it should start with not giving the church's tax-free exempt status. Yes. <laughs> I don't think that they should have tax-free status if they're letting rapists run around. Uh -huh. My tax dollars supplement their rapey activities. Yeah, I pay for the roads that the Mormons use. I pay for the mail system that they use, the interstate commerce. They are protected by the police and the fire department. Yeah, uh -huh. I hate that. When I see stuff in society that is either not as enraging as that, but just stuff that's superfluous that they're spending my money on, it pisses me off. Okay, do you think that this 
law firm is cheap, the Mormons, who are spending 10% of all of their income on the Mormon church, do they think that their money is going to good works or to pay defense attorneys? They think it's going to good works. They believe the church when the church is saying, we're using it for the building up of the kingdom of God. They don't pay attention that building up the kingdom of God means the mall that they built across from Temple Square. Right. right. You want to guess how much this law firm charges per hour in billable rates? I bet it's at least two to four hundred dollars an hour. Whoa! Oh, no doubt. I yeah. am in the wrong business, JJ. <laughs> These attorneys are charging a shit ton per hour, and it's not just mm -hmm. one attorney; it's a whole slew of up. They are billing, so your tax dollars and all the tithing money that every one of your relatives is giving to the church is paying for those billable hours to these defense attorneys to cover up and hide child rape. That's what the church stands for. That's what the church is doing, and other rape as well, not just child rape. Oh yeah, everything. But that's just the most offensive. Yeah, that's right. It is the most offensive. If we had to give a sliding scale on the rapiness of the church, they've covered it all. Yeah. I mean, they go the gamut. So, mm -hmm. but that's what your money's going for. It's horrible. When they're about to get caught and associated with it, they completely bail, like what they did with the Boy Scouts. They're like, oh shit, Judgment Day is coming. Um, uh, the Lord says we shouldn't be in Boy Scouts anymore. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, we're going to unincorporate that entity. We're going to do our own bullshit youth program. Yeah. What does the church do instead of Boy Scouts now? Because that would have left a huge hole in socialization and stuff, I would imagine. They do young men activities where they do the exact same shit that they were doing in Boy Scouts. Yeah, like my nephew, who is still stuck in the church, he went recently to like a three-day camp out that he said was kind of miserable, but you know. Oh. Camping should be fun. What made it miserable? It's church. It's You're, you're doing churchy shit. Hey, <laughs> I, I had fun camping. Everybody's got their own thing. Right. They still have outdoor activities for the kids. Yeah. Well, for the boys. Yeah, the girls don't get to do archery. Yeah. The girls aren't canoeing. I know. Yeah. I was an adult chaperone for my daughter for two years when she went to girls camp which is what you know they call it when the girls go out and and camp <laughs> <laughs> well i mean the first year it was at an established church camp ground where they had showers and toilets and they had a cafeteria and they had a pond where you could go canoeing and stuff like that and honestly that's not too much different from the boy scout camp that i went to as a kid but when i was a boy scout we went to one of those one year i think and then the rest of the time we did high adventure hiking out in the woods getting lost on a mountain because you got lost in the mountains yeah twice as a boy scout wow on the same mountain actually that must have been kind of exciting Right no, it was hell. Oh, okay. But the second year, one of the girls' leaders, her family owned a cabin up in the mountains. So for girls' camp, they decided that they were going to go to basically a luxury cabin with cable TV. A luxury cabin? And they spent their time watching movies and going on little oh. nature walks. They even had phone service up there. So girls don't get to do the real camping stuff. Yeah, girl camp is stupid. Like when I was growing up, Boy Scouts was a chaotic clusterfuck of disorganized mess, which wow. I'm surprised none of us died in. Boy Scouts has 
has been for decades and decades and decades has basically just been part of church. It was completely married to the young men's program in that they were inseparable. So when they separated, all they really did was change the names of like the leaders. More often than not, your young men's group leader, like deacon's quorum leader, teacher quorum leader, whatever, they were the scout master. They were the den leader, whatever. They were in charge of the Boy Scouts. So it was just basically you did Boy Scouts as a Mormon because that's just the way it was. And now you do the same thing. They just don't call it Boy Scouts. Yeah. I think this is a tipping point, though, Jones. It's been going on for so long. Yeah, I think we're hitting the tipping point. Here's why. I was talking to somebody the other day that is not a Mormon, and they were mentioning that their TikTok is full of ex-Mormon content. And I'm like, really? You're not Mormon? She's like, well, I'm a white lady with kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and that's how the algorithms are targeting you? And you're seeing this, and you are not Mormon? That's really weird to me. And she's like, well, it's everywhere, I guess. And I'm like, okay, that is different. I've not seen that before. (laughs) Number two, Mm -hmm. this article, like, it's telling us a lot of stuff that a lot of people knew, but it's also telling us a lot of information that I haven't seen before that can't Uh be ignored, involving documents that weren't always discovered. Some of this was sealed. Number three, we just got through with a pandemic where the church is anemic at this moment. Look, a lot of people didn't go back after the pandemic. Yay! Mm -hmm. Right? It's hard. (laughs) Hey, people had a sudden out of what normal life looks like outside the cult on Sundays. And some of them liked it and didn't want to go back. That's what happened with my wife. Right? Honey, don't go to church. Stay in bed with me and we'll fool around. Mm. Who would say no to that? (laughs) Right. A lot of Mormons, probably. You can come first. (laughs) Got a lot of things happening here all at once that I don't think I've seen in the past. But especially the pandemic, you wouldn't think that that's a thing. But it really bled the church of their, you know, population. Right. And so you have a weakened church getting hit while it's down with pure hard facts. Not, oh, the Mormons are weird or, oh, they have weird underwear or whatever. No, 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 no. This is like a very detailed AP article with receipts. Mm-hmm. It's hard to ignore. I hope the church just dies. I mean, that's what I really want. Structural change is probably what's going to happen and that's not totally bad either. Yeah. I mean, at least it's an improvement, right? If it happens, one can hope. Well, I think it probably will eventually. Hey, Jones, I wanted to ask you, how's your new Wii card turning out? Is it making life better? I'm still trying to dial stuff in. I'm not smoking and I'm not doing edibles or anything like that. What I'm doing is the tincture, oh, which is oil that you drop under your tongue. The stuff that I got is a 1 to 10 ratio of THC to CBD. Right. It sometimes seems to help. Like... I don't do it regularly all day. You know, I only do it if I'm like, hey, you know, something stressful is about to happen. So I'm going to get on that. He's like, I'm getting on a podcast with GG uh-huh. patients. Yeah. <laughs> go fucking nuts right now. Take more. <laughs> There's sometimes where I'm like, damn it, I'm still feeling anxious. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. It's something that I'm dialing in. Do you even have dispensaries out there? There are, I think, a total of five dispensaries within 50 miles of me. Uh, there's one that's only about eight miles away but they had shitty reviews so I chose to go to the one that's 16 miles away whoa yeah but anyway so like I had to spend the $250 for her to fill out the paperwork and say I believe that A his medical diagnosis of autism and B I believe that he would be a good candidate for for dropping shit on the floor 
for uh, benefiting from medical marijuana. Yeah, but then I had to spend another $15 to pay the state to submit my own application. Then I went to the dispensary and I bought this little bottle for like $75. Oh my God, that's so expensive. Uh, it is ridiculously expensive. And that was with a 20% discount for being a first-time customer. Of course. The prices will come down the longer it's legal and the more Probably. it gets like less ridiculous stupid hoops we would have been farther along here in utah if the legislature had just left the law that got let passed by ballot just let the people do what they wanted to but it's only a matter of time the mormons want their drugs <sighs> the Mormon women want their drugs because they well, can't have alcohol <laughs> <laughs> they all want their edibles it must be frustrating jones because you're taking the alternative therapy but it ain't really quite cutting the mustard at the moment is it it's not really working and it's expensive, just like the medications are. <laughs> right. My insurance is not going to help me pay for this one. Like the other ones, right. I'm not like frustrated in, you know, mm -hmm. it not being the miracle drug because nothing's a miracle right. drug. Anybody that no. believes in a miracle yeah. drug is a fucking idiot. But, you know, I have been increasing the dose. And also my wife is a much better evaluator of how something affects me right. than I am. Isn't that funny? Uh, so <laughs> It's so interesting to get your love one's perspective sometimes. She helps me interpret what's happening in the real world and that is one of the things that makes her so valuable. She has been noticing that it helps. Good. Yeah. I mean, part of it, of course, is that it's mostly CBD, so it's not like mm. I'm feeling any real high mm. because there's barely any THC in it. Instead of pulling me up, it's just kind of helping me stay more on an even keel so my agitation doesn't go up or my mood doesn't go down. I'm just kind of you know floating there in the middle yeah just get into saints 11 which is bonkers as usual i tried to listen to the actual podcast i made it about 35 seconds i was like fuck these people <laughs> i know <laughs> They're introducing themselves and they've got a historian from the Mormon History Museum, is it, that I believe you have in Salt Lake City? Yep. It's right to the west of Temple Square. Right. So I'm assuming you've been there before? I've been there. I've dragged my kids to that place because my wife dragged me, so. <laughs> it was history. Oh, yes. Right, yeah. Educational. <laughs> I couldn't quite catch her last name the way they said it. It might have been Marianne Anders. And some stuff that she says later is interesting like she seems to be quite into the party line of course she is her entire livelihood her job is dependent on her being so Right. But the thing is, it's like she hasn't read some of the gospel topics essays or whatever they are. You got to stay current if you're going to stay mom. You got to stay up with the latest dogma. And I don't think she's quite there. Yeah. No, if you want to stay Mormon, you avoid that at all costs. <laughs> right. And the other guest they've got is Sarah Iring. I remember when we were oh, talking yeah. about her ages ago, James, you're like, she doesn't end up sticking around very long in the podcast. She's been on the podcast so many times. Well, there are. <laughs> already on to book two or book three she's basically the first part of it that she's uh, in and i think i don't even think yeah. she makes it through the whole series if i remember correctly well i wonder if she's apostate now no we can only hope she's maybe not. we can get sarah iring on this podcast one are day. you That'd kidding me awesome. if she went apostate john delin would snatch her up like that right because she was part of the propaganda arm right. of the church and so he would interview her like at the drop of a hat well i'm glad you guys are keeping your 
ears pressed to <laughs> John Delin. You can tell me what happens on that podcast. I don't have enough oh, time to listen to all the shit I've got to listen yeah. to. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, so on to the second one. Mm-hmm. I, I did a little blurb. In the land of small government, Mormonism is so toxic that the government steps in and tells the door-to-door Mormon salesman to fuck all the way off. Mm-hmm. And this was back in like 18-whatever it was. Yeah. It was 1830 <laughs> when, yeah. right. when they went off to Kirkland. Right. right. That's how bad Mormonism is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just did a common thing. Kirkland, K-I-R-K-L-A-N-D, like Captain Kirkland. Yes. Yeah, that right. is the... Walmart in-house brand for Walmart and Sam's Club. Kirtland, K-I-R-T-L-A-N-D, is the city in Ohio that the Mormons came and invaded. Ah, so it's Kirtland they went to. Kirtland, yes. Ah, yeah. I got that wrong. Everybody makes that same mistake. All the Mormons say, it's a Kirkland, Kirkland, Kirkland. No, it's Kirtland. Yeah. The main reason they probably say that is... Because all the Mormons shop at Walmart, then they're just used to seeing that name all over the place. So oh, they geez. just assume it's the same fucking name, I guess. Yeah. They did a pretty good job of organizing their little government, but I mean, they didn't always get along with the federal government, so they had some issues there. I mean, the Mormon line is that Satan wanted the Mormons out of the town. So they were persecuted and run out for no reason, when in fact, the reasons were extremely reasonable why they were run out of town. They were voting in blocks. Just like now. Yeah. They were taking over the government. Only selling to Mormons. They were doing all this really crooked shit. And so they're like, hey, get the fuck out of here. And the Mormons, oh, we're being so persecuted. Which, God, we keep going back to this AP story. But one of the things that I've seen repeatedly this week is people saying, well, us Mormons are used to being persecuted. Satan's always persecuting us. And this AP story is just another example of us being persecuted. No, it's not. <laughs> After they're in Kirtland, Joseph gets this amazing revelation. It's like, oh, we now just need to uproot and go to Ohio into the middle of the sticks because I think it wasn't particularly well-developed land or anything out there. It was a little dinky town in Ohio. It was barely a settlement. The same thing happened with Nauvoo. The Mormons come into this tiny-ass town and they blow it up. And his followers, it sounds like some of them are quite well-to-do landowners. They're making their farms work at least. Mm -hmm. Things are going Mm -hmm. okay. And all of a sudden, Joseph is like, oh, God's told me. And when you get there, I'm going to give you some laws. That's not an incentive. The Mormons were saying the second coming is nigh. Right. We have to gather and prepare. So God is going to give us his laws for the final days of this earth. And we are going to be together gathered as saints for when the second coming happens. Not in a few years, not in a few months, but imminent. It's happening. Get your asses over here. Remember, what is the definition of a cult? You know, you've got a charismatic leader. Mm-hmm. He's got some kind of doomsday cultish ideas about him. I mean, these are pressure points of manipulation that you can use against a populace. Mm-hmm. The world is ending. Even now, you've got Christians running around saying, we don't need to save the freaking world from climate change. God's coming down any day. Look what's going on. We're on the brink of World War Three. You know, the world's ending. Well, and the, even then, you have people that are, well, who the fuck 
cares what's going to happen on this world? It's all going to get straightened out in the next life, so we don't have to do anything. Like, okay, we die. Oh, well, but now we're going to heaven. It's such a cop-out, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, though? It's easy. Yeah. It's really hard changing the world. Who wants to do that shit? It is hard to change the world. And it's depressing. And it's hard for me to do my laundry. <laughs> yes. I can't get my fucking laundry folded, okay? <laughs> like, I can clean it. Uh, I can pile it up. Something happens after that. Like, it's hard. And so it's easy sometimes to just think, hey, you know what? It's all going to be okay. Something happens after that. What does happen? Does Brad come in and fold all the laundry like a room fairy <laughs> that you don't notice? <laughs> Doubt it. This is exactly what happened this week. <laughs> and only because I went back to work. Right. There you go. So isn't it nice to be part of a cult that says, don't worry about it. Everything's going to work out in the end. But you are going to have your own perfect world. So all these things, you know, don't worry that the government isn't working the way it's supposed to. It's not going to last long. Don't worry that the climate isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's not your problem to worry about. It will take care of itself. <laughs> and I actually experienced this feeling once. I'll never forget. Like there are times when, you know, sometimes you feel uh, a pressure to do something with your life. And there's always times when in my mind, I'm like, well, reality doesn't really exist. <laughs> Time is an imaginary concept. So maybe in reality, like I've already lived all the lives I'm going to live and nothing really exists. So this existence I could just write out. Now I'm an atheist, but I like this idea of just taking this life real easy. <laughs> I'm just going to imagine that I worked hard in other lives or something like maybe a Buddhist type of a a Hindu thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say Because that. the other alternative is, no, I have to do something to fix this world. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a middle ground, Gigi. Work a little bit to improve things, but also don't run yourself ragged and enjoy yeah. life. But some people have taken the cult alternative. Yeah. And it's an easier alternative even than the middle ground. I know, right? I remember when I was a teenager in a Christian rock band and stuff, I wrote a song where there was a lyric in that it was like, it was so easy when I thought the end was near. That's the way Christianity sets it up. Yeah. It simplifies everything, including the end. You can become so focused on things that just don't even make sense when you just think it's all going to end. There's no point. Yeah. The deepness here for a second. When you have loved ones die around you, it is so devastating to the human psyche that, of course, we're looking for some kind of meaning out of that. Mm. It's not that somebody died. It's that we are also going to die. Right. Yeah. And we just saw how easy that is and how mm -hmm. final that is. So when that happens, I even find myself in my atheist mind thinking, you know, it'd be a lot easier just to imagine I'm being haunted by my mother. <laughs> I don't have any evidence of that, but I'd really like to just pretend that there's some magic person looking out for me to make sure mm -hmm. it's all right, that everything's going to work out. It's easy to think that about God and Jesus because it's comforting. And so I understand why people seek out these things, but it is the easy road. Anytime you have a cult. So Joseph Smith, he had it easy because his populace that he was trying to brainwash did not have the internet, did not have free access to the library. They didn't have anything else to do. Their forms of entertainment were basically sex, church. Sex, church, and rock and roll. How hard was it for somebody like Joseph Smith to come in and play the part to get people, you know. Sex, church, and baptism. Right? It's exciting things happening. And honestly, we still have that kind of shit happening today. It's not like because we have the internet, it's somehow harder. I mean, look what Trump did. No, you're right. Now we've got the internet creating new cults. Yeah, QAnon is totally an internet cult. And then QAnon is merging with the Mormon church right now. QAnon mm, and the yeah. Proud Boys mm. and all those cults. Mm -hmm. It's the same method 
methods, though. Yeah. And like you said, patients, people have been doing the same fucking things for years of clumping together, following each other, looking for a leader. Trying to give up their own personal responsibility because sometimes that shit's hard. So it's just so much nicer to, as you've been saying, is to abdicate that responsibility onto a church or onto a president who says it's all lies and conspiracies or onto some dumb fuck on the internet saying something. If you can just, oh, you're right. I don't have to do anything. Then you can shut off that part of your brain. Yeah. You get a momentary sense of peace and it releases the anxiety that you have, mm-hmm. you know, about your existential crisis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in some ways, I would think that a church can make your anxiety worse, you know, to some extent. It certainly did for me. I, you know, spent 40 years freaking out about it. Just like, ah! Like all these little things that you're supposed to do to get to heaven, like all these little rules that pile up, all these little bits of dogma that don't make sense. I mean, Mm. maybe when you're young, it's not so intimidating, but it's like at a certain point, it's like, I can't keep wearing the underwear. I can't keep going to church and cleaning their toilets for free. (laughs) No. You know? Gigi, you never wore the underwear. No, I never wore the underwear. You took one look at the underwear and you were (laughs) like, I don't know, Gigi, did you ever see the underwear before you noped out of the church? Yes. Oh, you probably saw your parents walking around in it. (laughs) Okay, no, here's how I discovered what it was, okay? Mm. My parents were not always active, so I remember a period of time before the underwear and after the underwear. We will call this, just like we call before Christ, B.C., so we before the underwear, B.U. Primo and Amo. Yeah, before the the garments. So I remember folding the laundry of my parents and I was under the age of 10. And I remember realizing why have they been ripped and re-sewn together in these (laughs) particular spots? It looks like somebody is taking a needle to repair a rent in the fabric. Mm -hmm. And at 10 years old, I knew enough about sewing to look at the patterns of the emblem. So it wasn't the shape of the underwear that I first had an issue with. It was the embroidery. The embroidered symbol. On the chest and the belly and the knee. And again, I didn't know the word for that. I went to my mother. I said, Mom, why is all of your underwear ripped? In the same exact place. (laughs) sewn in this pattern. But if you look at it, that's what it looked like to a 10-year-old child who doesn't understand symbology of, you know, Freemason symbols sewn into the garments. And my mom didn't explain it to me. She said, no, Gigi, those are not rips that's sacred (laughs) and I was like nothing that came out of your mouth makes sense but I knew enough not to ask a question for follow up Mm. and so it was years later when I moved into a different house I walked to the library and I found the book that had pictures of the garments in them and I opened it up Yes, this is exactly my deconversion story. I was very young, but I was exposed to books that told me what I was seeing. That's when I discovered, like three or four years later, when I was reading this book, that those weren't just tears in the fabric, that they were Freemason symbols. Well, then I had to do research on what a Freemason was. There was a whole (laughs) fascinating rabbit hole. Before internet clicking, I was book searching. I was in the stacks of the library. I was literally 12 years old. That is the age when they want you to start becoming a young woman. 
And that's the age when you start realizing that this church is more than just somewhere you go. You have to also believe in things. Mm. And you have to wear their underwear. And you have to do things. And it wasn't just a church. It was like promises. Mm. And I wanted to know what this was. Like, this was weird to me. So, yeah, it's always... uh, Anyways, not to get down the rabbit hole of the underwear again. (laughs) It always ends up back there. Because it's just so hideous. But have you been hearing, though, that people are starting to be lenient on that? They're like, oh, you know, maybe that's not just for everybody. Yeah. Maybe we don't have to wear it so often. It's becoming more personal. (laughs) More personal. Apparently, the questioning has been changed. (laughs) In the temple, recommend they don't ask you if you wear the garment day or night. They ask you, I think, do you wear it in accordance to the instructions given to you in the temple, which just basically tell you to wear them. I think they're allowing people to step away from the dogma and have a little bit more personal autonomy over the issue. Yes, because they're panicking and trying to get the young people to stay in it. But anyway, I mean, back in the olden days, the temple garment used to be solely for the temple. You didn't wear it anywhere else. You only wore it to the temple. You know, you wore the long underwear of the day and somehow those two just kind of combined and you had to wear the garment all the time day or night. And now they're going back to emphasizing wearing it to the temple. So just getting back to where he was moving to Ohio, I think there's something missing from the story. They talk about moving there and they talk about Joseph just coming with this revelation from God and that's why. And he said they were going to give them power from on high and the law. And I don't know why that would be enticing. But as you said, they were in that mindset. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it was just like, fuck it, we're going to move. And off they go. Now, I'm guessing the thing we're missing out of the story and that they don't talk about on the podcast is probably Joseph was in hot water with people in that town. Yes. Well, that's part of it. And also the reason that Joseph Smith came up with a revelation, it was because at first he said, we should move to Ohio. And the people said, no, we got shit going on. I mean, we don't want to move yeah, to Ohio. Yeah, why would they want to do that? And then he said, oh, um, God said you should move to Ohio. And they're like, oh, okay, well, God said uh, it. I guess we got to do right. it. <laughs> so, I mean, he I mean, didn't want to do it by this, himself. He, nice. he might be in right. hot water, but he's going to hightail it out of town with all of his pals mm-hmm. and support system and wives. I mean, you can't right. get a and cattle train with just one guy. Uh, this is in keeping with Joseph's general <laughs> manner of operating. Anytime his authority is challenged, God miraculously comes in and tells people to do what Joseph Smith was telling him to do. And they're like, oh shit, well, if God said it, I guess we got to do uh, it. Hey, it worked for David Koresh. It, it worked, worked for, for every Jim single Jones. Yeah, 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 it yeah. worked for the Heaven's Gate guy. Of course, you have an authority from on high mm-hmm. telling you that you need to do exactly what Joseph Smith says you need to do. Or whatever your cult leader is. Yeah, exactly. Can we talk a bit about Abigail Williams? This is just the <laughs> best story on this particular podcast episode. My God, how awesome was she? So right. she invited the missionaries from Smitty into a house. She was on a loom weaving and she's hearing all of this horse shit that these missionaries go on with. And then they finish and she's like, fuck off. Get the fuck out of my house. You guys are just blasphemous liars. And they're like, oh, come on, come on. At least give us something to eat. No, get the fuck out of my house. Yeah. I mean, it's cool, but you know, she was saying that because they weren't following her particular cult. So yeah, she was cool. And yeah, we always love to hear Mormons get told to fuck off, but... (laughs) 
It's not like she knew that this was all baloney because she had a firm grasp of what the truth was. She just believed in a different version of the imaginary friend. Yes. And her version of the imaginary friend didn't want to hear about their version of the imaginary friend. I'm sure that was at least part of it. But I think she also had a bit of a bent where she probably didn't totally believe everything that her religion was on to. I think she was just disagreeable and she could tell bullshit. <laughs> That's how I like to believe it anyway. We can hope so. <laughs> the things that they were peddling, they sound crazy to me, you know? Yeah. But I guess not everybody <laughs> felt that way. But I mean, some people still did. I'm glad anytime I hear of anybody, you know, calling it into question. Now, Sydney Rigdon, <laughs> we hear about him, mm-hmm. I think, kind of for the first time, at least as part of his story. According to the talking heads, he'd built up a congregation and he was quite a devout truth seeker of God. <laughs> Horseshit right. seeker of God. Mm-hmm. What I find surprising about this story, obviously, he must have had quite a bit of charisma to be this leader amongst these people, someone that would want to do that. And then Smitty rolls into town. He takes one look at Smitty's big swinging dick and goes, oh, mine's not big enough. And then just capitulates to him. Like, how does that happen? That's so weird. I'm like, if you can't beat him, you join him. <laughs> yeah, basically. I'm looking at Sidney Rigdon's biography here on the Joseph Smith paper website. <laughs> basically, he formed a splinter group from the Baptists. They were wanting to understand how the modern church should work. So they were seeking answers. And here comes this guy into town and he says he has the answers. So they're like, oh, wow, somebody has the answers and they know what's going on. So A, either he was doing it because he thought Joseph Smith actually knew what he was talking about or B, survival because he was losing his congregation. He said, well, fuck, I better go with them. I mean, one of the two. There must be something missing from the story yet again. When they tell you a story that doesn't make sense. There's something missing. Right. <laughs> yeah. So often with this podcast, there's just huge chunks of information missing. <laughs> I was listening to the bit where Abigail was telling him to fuck off. And right when you cut the clip was right as the people who were listening to that little section were about to respond. And they all went, aw, like, oh, that's a bad <laughs> thing. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. I mean, I wish more people would tell the Mormons to fuck off like she did. I know. That story is told not to elicit, oh, wow, look at that strong woman. The reason they put that in the saints is so that you can have that persecution complex as a Mormon. Yeah. Right. Look, we bring the truth. And this mean, cruel woman sent these poor missionaries out into the cold with no food. That's the point of that story. (laughs) Matt, persecution complex gets people to stay. Mm -hmm. The height of those missionaries too, though, once she says what she says, no, get out of my house, they actually try to argue with her and say, look, no, this is truth. This is truth. And she's like, no. And they're like, well, can you give us food, please? What's the food? No, fuck off. Yeah, exactly. And they try to justify it in the Satan's episode, like, this was a pretty common thing. Missionaries going around the countryside and you just sort of let them in and, you know, give them something to eat. Bullshit. Mm Mm-hmm. Resources are always scarce. Life is a transaction, right? The last thing I wanted to say, so Marianne, uh, their historian, uh, goes on this little explanation about how bad it must be to be one of Smitty's scribes because it's like a really difficult job. 
And the more she talks, I don't think she realizes she's doing this, but she really just makes Smitty sound bad. And I love that. If you really listen to what she's saying, it's like, yes, it is terrible to be one of Smitty's scribes. And then I sort of read in between the lines. And why is that? And because Smitty's such a terrible storyteller. I mean, trying to decipher all of his shit into something coherent must have been terribly difficult. The stories are so bad. I don't even know if the early Mormons read the Book of Mormon. No. Like, it was hard enough for me as a devout believer to read it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you would think that because maybe it's like a different age that people would have been like reading the Book of Mormon a lot and been like, yeah, this is great entertainment. (laughs) I did not find that. I did not see it easy to read. I don't know what it was like back then, but. Remember what Mark Twain said about the book. It's not like it was a great book for back then. It was a shit book. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It needs somebody to promote it with their charisma where the people aren't really reading it. He's just cherry picking and telling them stories. It was a prop. It It was a prop. That's Mm -hmm. right. It was a prop. That's the only way it really works. That's the only way it works. (sighs) And if you don't understand it, then you're the one that's unsophisticated. Yeah, then it's your problem. That's your fault. Because I'm pointing at this book, all of this authority. You don't have anything, but I have this. And if you don't understand this, and you haven't wrong read you. it, so I can make yeah, you it haven't read it, and you don't understand it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a very interesting psychological trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow! Thank you so much for joining me again. It's been great to talk to you again, Jones. It's been a couple of weeks. And- yep. Good luck tomorrow, Gigi. I will be submitting papers to run for the local library board. Good luck. I'd fight for you if I was We'll there. see. Fun stuff. All right. I'll see you guys later. Talk to you again All soon. Right. Have a good night. Okay, bye. I guess this is my new normal.